Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. This episode is brought to you by my course, Rest Assured. If you've been struggling with falling asleep, or staying asleep, or just not waking up feeling well-rested, you've come to the right place. Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia, or CBTI, is the gold standard intervention in the management of insomnia. Rest Assured is a digital course that walks you through CBTI, step-by-step, with everything you need to succeed. Each of the six weekly modules guides you through some important background information for the different techniques, explores the evidence-based techniques in detail, provides multiple examples of exercises so you can find the one that works for you, and reviews the work you've completed since the last module. And rest assured, it's just not another DIY left to your own devices, but rather, you get direct access to me, a board-certified sleep physician in twice-monthly office hours, where you can ask me face-to-face any questions you may have about the course material. So check out www.wellrestedmd.com slash RA to learn more. That's wellrestedmd.com slash RA. Or just head to the homepage and click on courses to learn more. Enjoy the episode. Hey, friends and neighbors. You're listening to the Well Rested Podcast, episode number 16, Pavlov's Bed. I'm your host, Dr. Joshua Lennon. When the bedtime bell rings, your mouth should be dripping with the readiness for sleep. In today's episode, I'll be discussing the importance of the association, both conscious and unconscious, between your bed and your sleep. The goal is to associate your bedroom more generally, and your bed specifically, with the act of sleeping. Like walking through the mall when you smell those sugary cinnamon buns and you automatically are ready for a snack, or have some tortilla chips and automatically want some salsa to dip, or you get in the car and automatically put on your seatbelt you should be able to walk into your bedroom at night and have the same automatic response of falling asleep with ease and without effort. This simple idea was codified in 1960s psychology research as conditioning. When A is paired with B over and over again, now anytime you're presented with A, you are automatically expecting B, programmed to expect it, if you will. For many people, this link between the bed and quickly falling asleep is automatic. But with insomnia, that link between the bed and sleep has been broken. Breaking automatic habits or associations is done essentially the same way that they are formed in the first place, with repetition. So for instance, if at one point you had been able to fall asleep without difficulty, but now your impatience festers in bed, staring at the ceiling waiting for sleep to happen, looking at the clock and calculating how much sleep you might be able to squeeze up before you have to wake up to start the day, but can't get that notion out of your head how difficult tomorrow is going to be now that you haven't been sleeping. When that becomes the routine that is repeated over and over, when those or really any waking behavior takes place in the bed, like watching TV or doing homework or checking social media, now wake becomes the default that is most strongly associated with the bed edging out the incumbent of sleep. So literally, the more you practice insomnia, the better you get at it. The more time that you spend awake in bed, the more likely you are to spend more awake time in bed. Insomnia begets insomnia. Now, of course, this is not some magical spell that takes hold of you and forces you to stay awake all the time every time. But... When you spend time physically in the bed and you are not asleep, you increase the odds that when you do want to fall asleep in the bed, there is an additional hurdle that you need to cross. Let's say, for instance, you get into bed every night around 9 p.m. 
Maybe you sneak a little cookie or two for your own dessert after the kids have gone to their rooms. You flip on the TV. For the first several minutes, you're not even watching it because instead of savoring the gooey chocolate chip wonder melting between your teeth, you're on your phone hitting that refresh to catch up on the latest in social media. Finally, after wiping away the crumbs, you turn your attention to the TV. You decide you've had enough, and at 11pm, you turn it off, roll over, and expect sleep to just appear. But it doesn't. And then it still doesn't. And then it's finally about 12.15am or so before you think you finally have dozed off. Then that alarm stirs you awake again at 6am. You just spent nine hours physically being in the bed. But you maybe slept for only five and a half to five and three quarter hours out of that opportunity. That means that at best, you trained yourself to spend over a third of the total time spent in bed actually awake. And like any athlete training for the big event, when you repeat that routine, that behavior, that habit over and over, you've now trained your body into expecting to only spend 60 to 65% of the time in bed actually sleeping. So then for one night when you spend seven hours in bed instead of nine, same efficiency. Your body unconsciously remembers your training and you get only four and a half hours of sleep which then convinces you that you need to spend that extra three-hour warm-up in bed because at least then you got a little bit more sleep. You have become an Olympic athlete of insomnia, trained, reinforced, habituated the dinner bell ringing of your bed to be associated with an excessive percentage of wake time in bed. And like any good athlete, your performance basically performs itself. Automatically. So that's a problem. You've got to break that association of the bed with insomnia. And you do this by reinforcing the association of the bed with the act of sleeping. But that's the problem, you may say. I'm not sleeping, so how can I possibly get this straightened out? Well, I hope you don't feel like you're starting from scratch. After all, we've been talking about all the different ways to get consistent high-quality sleep for a few months now. Keep a standard wake-up time. Get plenty of morning and daytime light exposure. Eat a healthy diet. Get plenty of physical activity. Have a wind-down period as you approach bedtime where the lights are starting to dim and temperature starts to drop. Do something relaxing, like reading, journaling, or brain dump, or cozy warm bath, massage, stretching, yoga, whatever helps you relax. And then step one. Ensure that the bed is actually physically conditioned for sleep. Do the conditions of the bed not just permit, but encourage sleeping instead of wakefulness? Is it comfortable? Including your pillows, mattress, blankets, you're using a weighted blanket. What is the light in the room? Is there a TV on? Or do you have a nightlight or a hall light for middle of the night awakenings if you have to use the restroom? What is the sound level in your room? Keep it quiet, please. If a sound machine, keep it as quiet and far away as possible. What's the temperature like? Hopefully in the mid to upper 60s, not too warm. Check out episode 3 for more information on getting your sleep environment more sleep-friendly, more of an anti-wake zone. In step 2, renew and reinforce this bed association by exclusively sleeping in the bed and prohibiting wakefulness in the bed. Bed is for sleep. Not bed is for not sleep. Spending wake time in bed unconsciously strengthens the relationship between that piece of furniture and the absence of sleep. 
and sometimes counter-sleep behaviors such as screen use or work or schoolwork or feelings of frustration or irritation over the lack of sleep. Then the bed becomes the automatic upset about my sleep zone. So don't be in bed unless you're sleeping. Don't get into the bed in the first place unless you're ready to fall asleep. Remember, your wake-up time is your anchor and should be held as constant as possible. But your sleep time, that's flexible. You can't force yourself to fall asleep at some time just because you think you should. So if you are not sleepy, don't be in the bed. If you are feeling wide awake, be wide awake anywhere but in the bed. Once you start to feel that sleepiness, which sometimes can be subtle and sometimes it hits you like a ton of bricks, that's when you physically get under the sheets. Don't wait in bed hoping that sleep will come to you. You must go meet sleep in the bed when you feel ready for it. Not when you want sleep, but when you are sleepy. When you wake up at the same time every day, you will feel sleepy around the same time every night. But initially, if you're just getting started with the constant wake-up routine, and you just started giving up daytime naps or maybe haven't, you may not feel sleepy or ready for sleep when you want to. And that's okay. If you don't feel tired or ready for sleep until four hours before you're supposed to wake up for the next day, that's okay. In fact, that's kind of the point. Because what's going to happen that next day when you only got four hours of opportunity to sleep? Do you think you might feel even more tired? Do you think you'd have an easier time to fall asleep the day after only getting four hours? It's not a guarantee, but yes. If, and that's the big if, if you maintain that consistent wake-up time and not cheat by sleeping in later since you went to bed later. So some nights, you get less sleep than you wanted, but all that does is it builds up your sleep drive even stronger the next day. Remember that adenosine story from the last few episodes? Adenosine is this chemical that builds up in the brain when we are awake, and it is the chemical signal of sleepiness. It is cleared from your brain when you get enough deep sleep. So when you're running short on deep sleep, since you stayed up later until you felt ready for sleep, your brain didn't get enough of a chance to clean itself out and didn't get rid of enough of that adenosine that night. So there's already a surplus of sleepiness drive the next day, making it easier and more likely that you feel tired and ready for sleep when you want to the next night. It may take a few nights, but when you don't even physically approach that piece of furniture over the bed until you are actually physically feeling sleepy, you will find it much easier to fall asleep. Let's say you feel ready and you jump into bed, but now that you're in there, you're not feeling sleepy anymore. You wait and wait, but still no sleep has overtaken you. No sweat. Please don't watch the clock. That literally does nothing but make the problem worse. But if it feels like it's been 10 to 15 minutes and you haven't fallen asleep, then get out of bed and go be awake somewhere else. If you are not sleeping in the bed, go be not sleeping anywhere besides the bed. Bed is for sleep, not bed is for not sleep. Then when you're ready, come back to bed. If you wake up in the middle of the night after having been sleeping for a couple hours, maybe you use the restroom and get back and you can't fall back asleep, same thing. If it feels like it's been 10 or 15 minutes, again, we're not specifically measuring the amount of time, please don't watch the clock, but if it feels like it's been 10 or 15 minutes, then get up, remove yourself from the bedroom, and go be awake somewhere else. So ahead of time, determine what you can do while awake when you're not in the bed. 
it should be something that won't interfere with sleep. Brainstorm a list with the examples ahead of time. And this list is totally up to you. But remember these key points. If your goal is to be sleeping in the bed, you should not be engaging in activities that will reinforce your wakefulness. That means keep it dark, keep it inactive, and keep it boring. The goal here is not to accomplish all the items on your honey-do list that you didn't get to yet. The goal is basically to waste time until you're ready for sleep. Dark, inactive, boring. Light is arousing, and it screws up your internal clock. Physical activity is arousing, and it screws up your internal clock. And anything attractive, anything that is compelling, is psychologically arousing. Remember the difference in sleep destruction from binge-watching versus the same duration of regular screen use that we talked about in episode 12? If it is really interesting, it'll keep you awake. And again, the goal is not to keep you awake. The goal is to not be awake in the bed and to coax sleepiness to come back so that once you feel sleepy, now you can get back into the bed and spend as much of that time physically in the bed actually asleep. So if you like, you can actually make two different lists here. There is the pre-bed before fully ready or early sleep period. So if your goal sleep period, let's say, is 10.30 p.m. to 6 a.m., this might apply to anything before midnight. Some examples of what to do might be something specific that you could read, something specific that you could listen to, music or podcast. You could get some light cleaning done or organizing or a drawer or room or closet. You could fold laundry. Then there might be a middle or late sleep period, a separate list. So again, if you have that goal of sleep period from 10.30 p.m. to 6 a.m., this might apply to any time if you wake up after initially falling asleep or if you haven't yet made it into the bed and now it's after midnight. So some examples for this list, again, might be uh, something specific that you could read or sing, writing, yoga, folding sheets. The list is up to you. So to summarize, the goal here is for your body to figuratively salivate with sleep every time you enter the bedroom so that sleep is automatic, an unconscious habit. First, you need to ensure that the physical conditions of the bed are conducive and encouraging for sleep. See episode 3 for more details on that. Secondly, you need to sleep in the bed and not sleep outside the bed. It also means no being awake in the bed, and yes to being awake out of the bed. You need to maximize the time spent in bed actually sleeping. This is known as your sleep efficiency, your total amount of sleep time divided by the total amount of time that you spend in bed. And figure out how to spend the wake time wisely when not in the bed ahead of time, so it doesn't require any extra thinking in the moment, no extra frustration. If you can view the undesired wakefulness as an anticipated part of the process, it's a tool to help you get better sleep in the long run, rather than an obstacle to getting good sleep. I've created a little freebie for you. If you head over to wellrestedmd.com day, you can get a free cheat sheet to a day in the life of the well-rested, including some specific best practices to get that good snooze. That's www.wellrestedmd.com day. Be sure to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player to get all the latest episodes. Leave us a review or a comment or question and head over to wellrestedmd.com for more information. Thanks for listening.